Hello and welcome everyone to the Coffee and Quill podcast. My name is Casey Long and joining me today is James Frendo, Matthew Salinas, and Chris Everhart. Everyone, if you all could say hi. Hello. Hey, how's it going? So today I wanted us to kind of touch base on a little bit of a, of a hot topic. It's going to be artificial intelligence. I think artificial intelligence is rising quite rapidly this year. Um, it does have implications in our industry as writers, authors, and as publishers. So... Yeah, let's just have a conversation and see where it goes, guys. So, what is everyone's thoughts on AI as it stands right now? I mean, obviously, it's a it's a very much an uncharted territory outside of the realm of you know things we've seen in like science fiction and stuff like that. But it's readily becoming more accessible, and I mean. It's it's interesting, I think, as far as a concept for like maybe spitballing or getting stuff rolling. Like, let's say perhaps you have something that you want to write about, and you've got like, you know, an idea. But as far as actually going anywhere with it, you've got some pretty extensive writer's block. But at the same time, I feel like the major hang up with that is, you know, it it can't create anything new, so to say or so to speak, you know, like any, anything that an AI program is going to come up with in a written context is something that's going to be pretty much more or less based off of direct examples or samples that it's had experience with. Are you sure about that? Because I, um, I've been messing around with chat GPT four, which is a very, very powerful language model that they came out with and I asked it to create a new language for me just to see what it would come up with. And it did. And I did research on the language. I looked up a lot of the words, a lot of the syllable structure, stuff like that. Nothing. I couldn't find any references with how it came up with it. You know, it just did it. And you, you know, you see that, you see it create something like that, and it's to, to me, I think it's scary. Scary as in it's going to come and get you, or scary as in it threatens your, um, your livelihood? I think scary in an existential sense where, you know, it's developing so fast and you know keeping it strictly writer and author focus for this conversation um it is definitely making itself known in our industry already um i forget the exact number but with the launch of chad gpt4 we've seen so many more publications on Amazon Kindle than what we've ever seen before because authors are using it to pump out and pump out and pump out more and more works. I'll bet the quality, you know, may not be as thoroughly edited or put together as a handcrafted story, but 
you know, we are seeing that impact in the industry, especially ghost riders. Cause now Chris, let's say I'm working on a fantasy novel and I want, I want a ghost writer to write this particular chapter and I give it all the details. I can just go to chat GPT and do that. And I'll have to go in and edit it a little bit, but I could get it done for what $20 a month for the subscription to use it as opposed to 10 cents a word or whatever the going rate is, you know? So we are seeing it affect that aspect of the writing industry a bit. Um, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, I, I kind of have a weird neutral stance on it, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely going to revolutionize, I think, a lot of, you know, putting in some of the actual footwork and hard labor of it. But at the same time, too, I don't know. I feel like it's it's just another tool and a repertoire of things to have as far as being able to write and creative outlets and all that. But I don't think that at any point, you know, I'd like to hope and think that at no point would it ever surpass or become better than you know, what somebody can put out from their own writing experience and abilities. I I guess I see it as more of a tool and less of a replacement in an ideal world. I mean, of course, there's Mm -hmm. always the dystopian implication that one day AI sentient writing simulations and mechanisms take over our field of work. What is the, um, you know, what, what kind of reviews are these works getting? Are they, and do they have to be um, published as created by an AI? So, from a legal stance, they don't need to be published as created from an AI because, like Matthew said, it is a tool, right? Like everything you do through the AI, it is your copyright. So, with that being said, you know, the ones I've seen from authors, I know they are getting good reviews on it and they're pumping out. Used to it take them months to get one novel done. Now they're doing two a month with the help of AI. And another example, more in the scholarly field with how powerful this language model is people's passing med school and they're getting their PhD dissertations and their master's dissertations and thesis is done using AI and it's passing, you know, it's going through human judgment and it's passing. So, you know, there's that to think about as well. Yeah, I uh, like I, I haven't read any that I know of. Um, have you guys read any? I have. Okay, and it's I I honestly, if it wasn't for the author telling me that they used it, I wouldn't have been able to tell hmm. at all. Seems and a bit well, it it's so complex and so intuitive because it you can train it on your writing style 
from what I've been told, you can give it some of your work, mm-hmm. right? Train it, and it will pick up exactly how you write, how you describe things, how you express yourself through your writing. Mm-hmm. And it does a pretty damn good job <laughs> matching that with creating new content for the prompts you put in. Well, that's really intriguing to me because, you know, a lot of our conversations, Casey, you've been around, you know, how to put out more work. And, uh, you know, I've got loads of ideas (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I would like to be able to get out there. Um, I've just been, you know, I think we're on like the sixth episode of my writing rabble uh, show on YouTube that a friend of mine asked me to help him um, get started writing a novel and uh, so I've created finally published my book The Writing Ravel on Kindle and mm-hmm. to help him out uh, I've created you know a, um, a outlining technique just the beginning of it uh, because you know out of necessity and out of my own experience so um, it would be interesting to see if it, if an AI could handle both of those things together. Like, you know, not just, hey, write me a story, but let's follow this kind of format to, uh, to get stories out. I think you would need to follow, um, well, not follow, I think it would need to be edited, of course. Oh, yeah. But I think the meat of it absolutely Mm -hmm. i think if you train the model you know correctly and build it with some work on you know how you want it formatted and stuff like that and you give it that outline absolutely and my question for all of you is is it ethical Oh, that's that's tough because I mean I feel like it falls in the gray area of like you know yes it's it's a tool that can be utilized and if you're you know even if you're prompting it or giving it the ideas of what it needs to write for you like kind of like you said earlier yes that still is your creative copyright and idea but at the same time you know you're you're really not doing the work per se. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty on the fence about that. I, it, I feel like if we're looking into the aspect of artistic integrity as an author and a writer, then no, because mm-hmm. I feel like you're, you're kind of cheating your audience in a way that you're not really giving them your experience of telling a story as an author or writer. You're kind of setting them on the way, but then handing the reins off to something else entirely. So, Chris, I'm curious. Do you think it's ethical? Well, what do you mean by ethical? So, from the standpoint of like artistic integrity and building, you know, literature, culture, and stuff like that, is it ethical using AI to build our stories, to write our stories, as long as we guide it, of course, and call it our own? Well, I, uh, if I'm using it to deceive somebody, then no, it's not ethical. If I am uh, 
putting it out as this is a AI aided uh, work, I don't find it to be or don't think it would be unethical. Okay. Um, if I was lying to everybody and saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is, you know, I do all the work, <laughs> which, you know, some writers might be apt uh, to uh, to claim, um, mm -hmm. then that that might get that would be unethical. I gotcha. Okay. That that makes sense. Matthew, I'm going to take Chris's perspective on this as well. I think if the author discloses that it is like AI aided at that point, sure. You know what? You're coming out about it. You're using a tool to help you. Great. You know, but the reason I ask that is there's a local author that I know who won a writer's contest at a local university here in town mm -hmm. and his work was completely AI driven completely. Uh -huh. And he won this writer's contest. And when I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, do you think that that's ethical that you utilized AI, but you're calling it your own? He didn't see a problem with it because in his mind, he used the tool that he says is the same as using, you know, word correct or, you know, you know, autocorrect. That's what I'm thinking of. He's, yeah, like a spell check or a grammar check or something. Yeah, like he that. says it's the same as using like Grammarly, um, autocorrect in words, stuff like that. And I think that's a little, little different. <laughs> in that sense because those tools just help you correct what you've already put out there ai is well, literally yeah. generating thousands of words for you at a time yeah yeah i think um you know i don't think that could be considered a well the copyright says it must be a work of human creativity right mm -hmm. um and that is not uh, you know unless uh, um Unless, unless I consider just a few ideas input into the computer, uh, you know, hum authorship, then it seems like a bit of a stretch if the entire thing is created by an AI. Mm -hmm. My, oh, go ahead. I heard someone about the talk. Oh, yeah, that was me. I was going to say, I mean, I guess if you really go out of your way to delineate, and I guess I would consider that even being an entire genre in and of itself of being like, you know, yes, it's AI created, then I'm a little more, I guess, lenient towards what I would believe considering it to be, you know, your own work and all right from an ethical and integrity mm -hmm. standpoint. But the in the story of the person who won that like university writing contest, I that 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 for me right there, I'm not a fan of that. Right, and I think the future of writing will be human AI collaboration for sure, because with the help of humans, of course, you can create wonderful pieces of art. 
You know, if you tell it what you want the writing to accomplish, what emotions you wanted to bring out and what you like, what type of imagery or meanings you want your stories to have. I can see human AI collaboration being the way of the future, right? Having that synergy between both of them. But I think from a copyright standpoint, at what point do we say this is, you know, made from humans, right? At, At what point do we say this is not something... I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm trying to say, how would copyright work with that? Well, I, I've actually been looking this up while we've been talking, and uh, here's a uh, a um, article on Lexology.com. A couple paragraphs down it says, in contrast, where a human selects and arranges a or arranges a, a AI-generated material in quote in a sufficiently creative way that, quote, the resulting work as a whole constitute an original work of authorship or modifies material originally generated by AI technology, quote, to such a degree that the modifications meet the standard for copyright protection, those works may be registered. Okay. It doesn't say, though, what it has to do. It says, ultimately, okay, the office nevertheless clarified that even in those cases, Copyright will only protect the human-authored aspects of the work, which are independent of and do not affect the copyright status of the AI-generated material itself. Ultimately, applicants have a duty to disclose the inclusion of AI-generated content in a work submitted for registration and to provide a brief explanation of the human author's contributions to the work. The office's new policy provides additional detail on how to submit application for works containing AI-generated material and how to correct a previously submitted or pending application. So it's still up in the air. Um, this is like what they're calling stuff, kind of a first step in uh, in how we're going to be working with copyright and AI. So I, I don't want to have AI write a book for me that anybody else can pick up and use in whatever way they want, you know, the text of that, right? Right. So leading, well, following up on that question, Chris, how do they know if it, you know, if the work in the book or in the copyright is AI generated? Yeah. Um, I think it is up to the author to tell them that. However, I imagine that there is or will be some technology that will, I mean, if this, if, if chat GPT creates something that the trail of that has to be somewhere, right? Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I assume not, there has to be some kind of policing. Yeah. I'm force. not holding an AI hostage in a, you know, an old well uh, <laughs> Mac uh, Apple One computer in the corner of my office. <laughs> well, the the thing about that though, Chris, is you can. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Chat GPT, it's just you know the open source model that's out there to the public. But uh-huh. 
I imagine within the next few years, especially how people are so focused on privacy these days, you know, with VPNs and stuff like that, you could probably get, well, I actually know now you can download a desktop version of Chad GPT that just stores locally on your computer. Um, so that right there, you know, there's no way they can come back in and track where it has generated that work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I imagine in the future, there's going to be products that utilize AI content generation like that, that will, you know, boast privacy. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting. I think now they do have tools that they can run text through and see if it's been generated with chat GPT, but they can only do that with chat GPT three and not the new language model. Cause I think the new language model is far more complex than the, you know, one before it. Mm. You know, it's something you said earlier, Casey, that uh, it's, it has come up so fast, right? Um, AI has, um, when I first went to college, um, I moved from Minnesota to New Mexico when I mm -hmm. was 19 years old, and that would have been in 87. My college roommate was studying artificial intelligence. Oh. Yeah. So it's not as new <laughs> as we think. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I've heard multiple times uh, people say or, you know, online or reading it somewhere that you've probably spoken to an AI without realizing it. Oh, for sure. I mean, AI has been part of our society for decades, yeah. but this type of AI, yeah. I guess. Has shifted. Yeah, with LLMs being at the forefront now, yeah, it's, it's definitely taken off. I, so. I had an idea that I do mm -hmm. want to bring up. So you said earlier that you can train in AI to like learn your writing style with your work, right? Yeah. So suppose you're working with like an advanced model of ChatGPT, and you've like for like you've done this for like a few years. It's been the same model. It's got all of your works. Essentially, this AI has become you in terms of your writing style almost perfectly. If the AI brings up an idea for a new novel is that your novel that's a really good question i'm gonna to have to break out my philosophy degree on that one i think <laughs> that kind of makes me think of the old theseus's yeah. debate because if it's if it's just been learning from you and it's had your writing style and it has like it has both what it wrote as well as what you wrote and what you changed and it has spent years learning everything about how you write and what you like. You know what? Is it your creation? Let's do a little project here. You guys discuss this. I'm going to meet my mic. I will pull up chat GPT and ask it the same question and see what it says. To <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep talking. I'll be right back. Because yeah. like. Let's do a field test. Because at that point. <laughs> what. In terms of writing, if it is your idea still, 
Is there any delineation between you and the AI as an author? Well, uh, additional works based on your characters and the world you've created are you're you're entitled to copyright on those. So maybe, maybe I. Right. I don't know that it popped into my head, and I was like, "I need to bring this up because if I don't, um, no, that's that's a really good point." Because then, too, you know, like what what if it does kind of go off in its own direction? If it starts to make up things that are completely yeah. original, but seem exactly like what you would write, like it's kind of almost like an uncanny valley type. Situation. That's what I'm saying. You what know, if it write something entirely new? I got the response yeah. from Chat GPT is. It's got three paragraphs here, so let me just read this to you guys. So the question was, if you train a language AI on your writing style and your personality entirely, and the AI learns you 100% and it comes up with an idea for a novel, is that novel your idea or the idea of the AI? And here's the response. Casey, this is a complex philosophical question that touches on (laughs) issues of authorship creativity and the nature of ai generated content if an ai is trained entirely on your writing style and personality it could be argued that the idea for the novel originates from the patterns and insights derived from your own creative input however the ai's ability to generate the novel idea is based on its own complex algorithms and vast knowledge base which are separate from your direct input or consciousness therefore It could be argued that the novel idea is a collaborative effort between you and the AI. Mm -hmm. While the AI might not have, I mean, excuse me, while the AI might have been influenced by your writing style and personality, it was the one that ultimately generated the idea independently by analyzing patterns and making connections that might not have occurred to you directly. In this sense, the idea can be seen as belonging to both you and the AI as it is a product of your combined creative capabilities. However, this also raises further questions about the nature of creativity and authorship in the age of AI-generated content. As AI becomes more sophisticated and integrated into the creative process, it will increasingly be important to establish clear guidelines and ethical considerations to address issues of intellectual property, ownership, and attribution in the literary world. In other words, I think it's both of us, Casey. Oh Oh, my gosh, okay. I was about to say, like, throughout the entirety of that, like, I was thinking, like, you know, I'm really really happy that it hasn't started speaking in the first person and then the last sentence hit and i was like oh no um it's like space uh, i'm afraid i can't allow you to do that casey yeah Yeah. the key word there is collaboration you know absolutely if if matt writes three books in a series and then i say hey you know what i'd like i love those books i want to write the next three right now you know i'm using matt's characters to you know, and I'm trying to write them, you know, to some extent in his style that the readers like, right? Then Matt still has copyright on the characters and the world, right? But I, I have, um, uh, I would have a somewhat of a claim to the work I do uh, using his what he's already created, 
right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, and again, the, the thing with me is I, I don't have any problem with using tools like this to create more work. Um, my question is if the AI is considered a collaborator in this work, then who has half of the copyright, right? Well, I think from, in my opinion, and I'm not a copyright lawyer by no means, but to me... I thought that's what you've been going to school for the last few years. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I wish. Um, you done gone made me lose track, Chris. Jesus. Um, You're okay. not a copyright lawyer. We've established right. that. Yeah. Right, right, right. So... I would consider it still a tool, you know, even when we look at things like Grammarly and ProWritingAid, I think AI would kind of fall in line with those tools a little bit in the sense Grammarly and ProWritingAid, they are editors that also pick up on your writing style and they learn and they suggest edits based on that, right? So I think ultimately in the sense of copyright, AI will be considered a tool. Um, I still think you would have to make mention that you utilized AI work in that. Yeah. But I think you being the sole human collaborator, you would retain all the copyright. Well, what about the people who, who made the AI, right? That's my point is, or is it public? You know, is at some point, uh, if I create a, a, a line of books with with an AI, let's say I make a million dollars, right? At some point, does the, you know, is can the company who created the AI come and say, hey, you owe us $500,000, right? Or can, as policies shift or laws change, can the public claim half of that? of of that uh income from the work well i know with chat gpt they have a commercial use clause with their terms of service because mm-hmm. well they'd have to <laughs> well well yeah but they say here i got it pulled up you own the output you create with chat gpt including the right to reprint sell and merchandise indefinitely regardless if whether the output was generated through a free or paid plan. So right th- that right there, you know, they could not come back later and say, Hey, you owe us $50 okay. million, you know? So, okay. Now other models that's coming out could, you know, have a clause in there that states otherwise. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question. Here's a question I have for you guys. So, would you personally utilize ChatGPT or something similar to get your work done quicker and more efficiently? I would. Um, I just would have to decide if. I'm comfortable with sharing the 
both the credit and the intellectual space of writing with chat GPT as a collaborator. You know what I mean? Right. Can I, you know, can I go to sleep at night knowing that, um, oh, you know, well, okay, that idea wasn't mine, but it was good. So, you know, I'm going to use it. Or would I, yeah, because frankly, part of the thing, part of what I like about writing uh, fiction is the surprises. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that, if that would limit the surprises. I gotcha. What about you, Matthew? Personally, um, no, just because I guess I'm, I'm a little bit more old school in a sense of a lot of that stuff. I just, I don't know. I, I like to kind of formulate and work on things in my own weird way. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm also a person who, you know, I'll, I'll outline and storyboard and come up with all kinds of things when I head and do a story. And then I'll usually find within the first couple of chapters, I've ended up going completely off the rails. And personally, I like that, I guess, flurry of creative control and chaos of, you know, I, I like writing a story to where it kind of takes on a life of its own and does its own thing. But at the same time, you know, I'm still at the helm of it and working through it and, and realizing, you know, as the characters and the narrative kind of develop and unfold before me, you know, being able to sit back and be like, you know, this isn't the original direction I headed in, but it's the one that the story obviously needed to go in. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to flesh it out or figure that out if I was just like, all right, computer, write me a story about this. Well, if you train the AI on your exact (laughs) writing style, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Write write a couple chapters and then go off the rails and then bring it back in. Yeah, I mean, see, boom. Um, No, I, I get where you're coming from, man. I think for me personally... I could see its benefits, you know, when you have writer's block, you know, like, hey, I'm stuck here. I kind of want the story to go in this direction. I don't really know how to get it there. Give me some suggestions, right? At that point, sure. You know, using the AI to overcome that, because I don't know about you guys, but man, when I get writer's block, I'm out for days, dude, trying to deal with it. It's the biggest thing for me to have to work through. But as far as the meat and stew of the story craft in itself, I would like to still be in control of that for the most part. Um, James, what about you, man? Excuse me. Um, on, honestly, I'm, I'm still kind of stuck on the fact that it referred to itself in the first person. <laughs> He's terrified <laughs> over there. Um. I robot. <laughs> I I'm not sure. I I'm, 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 I I need more time to formulate a well-spoken opinion on the subject. Mhm. Okay. You know, I kind of I'm, I'm looking at my other screen here at chat GPT. I kind of want to ask it that question too, just to see, you know, um, you know what? I will. I'm going to beat my mic for a second, guys. Give me yeah. one moment. 
Yeah. There, well, the one thing I was going to mention is that, um, you know, there there uh, may be some things, and there are some things that I want to create purely for the commercial uh, uh, product, right? Um, and I I'm not shy about that. That this is you know this is commercial mass market fiction, right? It's not meant to be deeply meaningful. You know, it ain't Shakespeare. Um, and right, right. Uh, it can be easy and fun to write uh, when it's going well. Um, and but there's also projects that I that I take very seriously and, and do have a lot of meaning to me. So I, I could imagine myself in uh, in that phase where I'm using uh, an AI to help me produce those fun, you know, fiction, mass market type of books. And uh, at the same time, you know, spending uh, other time working on and developing stories that, that are really meaningful to me. Um, that, that feature of AI is, well, you know, I read some science fiction too, where it talks about sentient AI. You know, this AI is not sentient. Sentient? How do you pronounce that? Sentient? Um, and one thing that came to mind uh, a few few weeks ago when I was thinking about it, it was like, okay, so when, and to your point, James, about talking in the first person, so when it, when it is acting in the first person or talking in the first person, the question is, so it's pretending to be human? And then I realized, no, only sentient things can pretend. Right, mm-hmm. an AI can only respond to its programming, right? Up to and the the point where it would would become sentient. And I think there was one Google engineer who said he considers AI, AI sentient. But I I you know. There's a dimension of the sentient creature that a computer, I don't believe, can have. You know, with AI, there's a lot of talk about AGI, which is artificial general intelligence, which is where it crosses that line, essentially. It can understand... Well, not only can it learn, but it can also understand intellectual task consciousness and even emotional capabilities that humans and other animals can and that's something that's been at the forefront of the publication or what have you of open ai which is the company that has chat gpt is there's a lot of discussion about when we're going to see the agi you know, be created because it's still years away from what they're saying, but we will see it in our lifetimes. And at that point, that's where you get into a lot of the existential questions. Like, can it understand consciousness? Can it pretend to be human because it understands what humans are? Does it have emotions? What have you, you know what I mean? Um, well, I, I feel like then you get into the philosophical debate though, too, of also what, what is human? 
This is the theme of Blade Runner, by the way. Oh. Is that yeah. uh, is the replicant what's his name? Um Rutger Hauer plays Roy Batty. You know, at the yep. end of the of the movie, he's having a conversation with um Deckard. And basically what he's saying is, do you know what it's like to be fully human but not have a soul? Hmm. So that there there are dimensions to humans and so our 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 physical presence in this world is one dimension the intellect is another the mind right then mm-hmm. there's the emotional dimension and then and the spiritual dimension right so uh, I, I i i have a hard time imagining having a machine born and supported intelligence that has those extra dimensions right mm-hmm. i i don't believe that people that human beings and other creatures have emotions because they are just information that's you know dumped into us right Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I believe that, um, that there's a, that being human means living in the gap between knowing and not knowing. And I don't think a machine can do that. Interesting. You know, I I agree. I think there's we're gonna see a lot of interesting debates and a lot of philosophical questions arise over the next decade with the rise of AI. Um, especially oh, when we develop AI that can pass the Turing test. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's basically when an AI is indistinguishable from a human, right? Much like the void comp test in Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. I need <laughs> to watch Blade Runner. Have you never seen it? Nope. Dog, oh, dude. I have been trying to get you to watch Blade Runner for years. Oh, facepalm. Come on, man. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> a great, We're watching that's a great Blade okay. Runner tonight, Casey. Okay. It's so, a really great movie. I've always called it postmodern <laughs> science fiction because the theme is several levels above most fiction films. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, f- it all comes down to that 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 idea, you know, do you know what it's like to be born a human but not have a soul? I just you're you're a philosophy were you philosophy major or minor in philosophy? I was a minor in philosophy. Yeah. And you also had that filmography. How, how did you not watch Blade Runner with both college <laughs> courses in philosophy and okay. cinematography? Okay. Cool. That's so, such a philosophy bluff. school. <laughs> what was that, Chris? And you call this a philosophy school? Uh-huh. Philosophy department. So well, I, I could see how a bunch of brain, you know, brainiac philosophers would never consider uh, you know 
a film like Blade Runner as being philosophical. So I did, I do want to go back to the question. I did ask, um, Chad GPT, would you consider as a writer using Chad GPT to do the bulk of your writing for you? And it says, I personally would have some mixed feelings about using ChatGPT or other LLMs to do the bulk of the writing for me. I might feel that using AI to generate the majority of my content compromises my creativity and ownership of the final work. I worry that my unique voice experiences and perspectives could be lost or diluted when relying heavily on AI-generated content. On the other hand, I might view AI as a valuable collaborative tool that can enhance my writing process. By working together with AI, I'd be able to explore new ideas, overcome writer's block, and improve my overall efficiency. In this case, I would feel comfortable using AI as long as it complements my creative process without overshadowing my unique contributions as a writer. In terms of ethics, I feel that we would need to consider the ethical implications of using AI for the bulk of our writing. This would involve addressing issues of authenticity, intellectual property, and potential biases in the AI-generated content. And finally, I would want to ensure that relying on AI does not hinder my personal growth and development as a writer. It would be important to continue refining my skills and evolving my style to remain competitive and relevant in the literary world. It's speaking in the first person again. Oh, scary. Yep. (laughs) So, Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, so could, rather than having the discussion about um, should we use AI to, to write our books, should we be instead focusing on it as a tool for outlining? Because I have come to believe that anytime we're blocked, it's a structure issue so that we can get beyond that really difficult point and get on with the fun stuff, which is writing the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The actual writing. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting thing, but I'd want to try it out because as I'm teaching my, my friend Wes, um, again, every, every week we're doing a, uh, YouTube episode. Um, I told him before he started writing, I, or, uh, as he started writing, I said, have, have you had, has a character shown up yet and announced it himself or herself? He's like, what do you mean? And I said, characters will show up while you're writing and they'll demand to be seen and heard. You know, they'll just pop out of nowhere. It's like, until I wrote that person walked in the door, I didn't know that person existed. So my concern is, would it, um, would it take the fun out of the fun part? Right. (laughs) Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it could, you know, it, I think at that point it falls down to how you personally feel writing your stuff. You know, if you wanted to include that and that doesn't take the fun out of it for you. Sure. Cause it certainly can. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I get where you're coming from. For me, the fun when I write is not really introducing characters, but I like describing just random situations that just fucking happen just out of the blue, you know, like Jonathan's walking down the road and suddenly an eclipse happens and a beast walker pops up, you know, just random stuff that just pops up out of nowhere. Right. You know? Oh, by the way, I just thought of something too, is that if your work is, if your, if your book is created with the, with the, um, AI as a, collaborator mm-hmm. what happens when you go to sell uh subsidiary rights like film tv that kind of stuff well the rights would be yours entirely uh, it's not entirely clear well i know with chat gpt that they they do secure like you retain all the rights when you use chat gpt oh, i see what you're saying okay got yeah, it. yeah 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 Now, again, there could be other LLMs that arise that would be like, no, we're, we're gonna (laughs) 50, 50 cut, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there is one language model called novel AI and it uses, I think, chat GPT two, a really older model and they gave it all of George RR Martin's stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and finally wrote another book. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want winds of winter. Eight okay? months on that damned island. I've been waiting 10 years for winds of winter, okay? It ain't gonna happen. I, I've just come to terms with it. He's gonna wait. It's probably already done, and he's just got it saying. set to publish after he dies. Yeah. Oh, so he doesn't have to deal with the... <laughs> no, just the so he could out. say, like, I told you all I would die before it got published. <laughs> I mean, it can't be any worse than the last season. Dude, don't even get me started on that, man. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's that's another thing yeah. for another day. But Novel AI is taking stuff like um, The Art of War, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, George R. R. Martin stuff, you know, it's it even has like Lovecraft modules where it's trained itself on Lovecraft style and you can write with it and it matches that style, you know, granted it's nowhere near as powerful as chat GPT three or four, but you know, you have stuff like that specifically for authors now. So. Yeah. I, you know, weird. um, for me as a reader and a viewer, I'm afraid that that will take out, take away some of the, some of the pleasure of seeing someone else, uh, you know, how someone else handles a story or a character or a universe, right? Because it's kind of fun to see, like Planet of the Apes is a good example. Um, I was a huge fan of the original Planet of the Apes, which came out in 1968, and the screenplay was written by Rod Serling of The Twilight Zone. And when Tim Burton uh, did a Planet of the Apes, I was really disappointed. It kind of sucked. But then when the new round of Planet of the Apes movies came out, I was 
I loved it. Really, really loved, especially the first one. So mm. there was something about seeing how another and, and think of it as like, you know, actors um, in, uh, in a TV show or a movie, how they like a, a really good example. I use this example all the time is Harry Bosch. Um, who is Michael Connolly's uh, homicide detective character in his long series of books. And then there's the, uh, the TV or series on, God, oh, what is it? Uh, uh, Amazon prime, prime video, I think. And mm-hmm. Titus Welliver plays Bosch. Now Titus Welliver was a, was a comedy comic actor. He was actually on Saturday night live a long time ago. But to see him handle that and to see how the writers, you know, use the characters in the world and the situations from the books is just one of the fun things. So I'm just kind of wondering, it's like, okay, so does that mean that if somebody writes a new or if a new Sherlock Holmes book comes out that I really want it to be in the same style exactly as Arthur Conan Doyle or as part of the fun reading a new Sherlock Holmes story and seeing how this new writer, you know, does it. I don't know. Anyway, just something to think about. And I get where you're going with that. And for me, I think that's where, you know, it depends on what type of author you want to be. If you want to be someone who just focuses on getting the cookie cutter stuff out, you know what I mean? And, you're not really writing for yourself. You're writing for the money, right? Or the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the audience. At that point, novel AI, sure. You know, if you want to write some stuff like George R. R. Martin and you want to kill, you know, your 15 main characters in the first season, sure, you know, go for it. Use novel AI. Get that stuff out there. But I think for authors that want to utilize AI for their own unique style, that's where they would have to deal directly with ChatGPT or another direct language model and train it on their style yeah. and how they build, you know, the universe. Well, the, so and, yeah, and let me point something out, and this goes beyond writing again. Um, is you know, in the TV world, right? Okay, so um, what's what's a TV show that a lot of people like? Game of Thrones. All right, let's use Game of Thrones as an example. Okay, so a producer said, "You know what? Well, let's. I want to use something else as that that's a wholly original um, idea. Uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Okay. Okay. So Vince Gilligan has an idea about a high school science teacher who's dying of cancer and goes bad. Sitting there, and he's thinking, "Wow, that would be really cool. I'd like to see that." What does Vince Gilligan have to do in order to get that thing to screen? Right? How many people does he have to work with? How many writers get involved? How many actors have to show up to um, to play those roles and say the words that the team of writers comes up? And then you've got a separate team of people who are the you know the actual production people with the cameras and the lights and the microphones and everything, right? So mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, movies and TV shows don't happen by one person. It just, it cannot be done. So think of it in that way uh, f- 
from a from a point of view of creativity. Does that mean that Vince Gilligan, you know, he's not he's not a great producer or a great writer? No, no. But he just you know he needs that all he needs that collaboration with dozens and dozens of people to bring that um, to bring that picture to life to the screen. Hmm. So if I have an idea today about a, I'll give an example because I'm kicking around and been writing a little bit on this um, uh, uh, cyberpunk. And, and this is, by the way, this is one of those that developed uh, just kind of a stream of consciousness. Um, so, so I say, you know what? I, I think it would be really cool to do a cyberpunk set like 800 years in the future where in in what ha, what used to be Phoenix, Arizona, where it's cold and it rains all the time, and he is an ex space marine who um, uh, who now is basically an assassin, and he's you know troubled by what he does and all that stuff. And I put those things into the AI. And I said, okay, so, and this is how I like to outline, by the way, my new outline uh, technique. Um, what do you, what, what do you come up with, right? AI. And then just as if I was sitting in a room with another writer, I pick things, I go back and forth, right? Pick some things, leave out others. Um, does that mean that I'm not the creator of it? Yeah, I don't think so. It's just that I did it with collaboration. I think, like you said earlier, collaboration is going to be the biggest key when it comes to working with AI stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, Vince Gilligan, when you first, you know, look at the credits of breaking bad, it says created by uh-huh. Vince Gilligan, right. but then it has, you know, his team <laughs> and what their role in it was, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. and, and again, this is this is just me, but I could see having a series of books that are, you know, written with AI, but at the same time having a series maybe or or standalone books that are not written with AI. You know, maybe some ideas I don't want collaboration with. Right. Huh. Well, I don't know about you guys, but this has been a very deep conversation. I, when I was coming into this episode, I, I wasn't expecting us to, to get into a conversation this deep with it, but I'm glad we did. Chris, you, yeah. you specifically, you definitely opened my eyes with how to view AI. Cause I was very on the fence about it before coming in. So having that perspective definitely helps. So, well, I'm going to tap you soon to uh, help me get started with it, because now that we've had this conversation, I'd like to I'd like to work with it a bit and see what we can come up with. Yeah, man. Um, Just let me know and we'll we'll get together like I can set some time aside in my schedule and I'll go over it all with you, man. And um, well, and by the way, none of this is useful at all as far as a publisher goes, if 
people don't want to read it. <laughs> so oh, with the, exactly. The, the reader That's still has a huge role in this, right? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, there's no point in writing if no one's going to read it, you know, from now, a publishing standpoint. Now, if we standpoint. can get AIs to pay for it and read it too, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. I'd be crushing it. <laughs> yeah, know, there you go. I will say... There's this uh, girl I knew at, um, I met her at Fanboy in Indianapolis, and she wrote a lot of erotica, you know, very cookie cutter stuff, and she makes six figures a year doing it, man. And it's all cookie cutter stuff. And I reached out to her a few weeks ago, and I asked her if she's heard anything with chat gpt you know what she told me she told me she's like dude i use chat gpt and i've trained it on my writing style and i get at least six books out a week now yeah and she's tripled her income yeah i believe it oh i do too like i think Mm -hmm. but and that you know in some of those uh genres romance in particular and erotica Huge. I mean, and even before ChatGPT came along, you know, people were releasing. You know, writers were writing and releasing a book a month or. or oh yeah. More, you know, so. I mean, as long as there's, there's readers, there's people who base their career, and I want us to get to that point. You know, that's always been my dream: is for us to, you know, be able to quit our day jobs and make this our day jobs, yeah. but. Under that, your well, lips to series ears. I don't know, Matthew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the one guy doesn't like you, and you're and you're writing. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh man, oh, I, don't, I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a good stopping point for this episode. Well, what do you guys feel? I feel good. This feels good yeah. to me. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well. Let me uh, let me do our spiel real quick. So, for those of you who didn't hear it at the beginning, and you guys are still here after that conversation, um, we recently released the Delphi trilogy. It's going to be on our new website when it gets redone. It's currently out on Amazon. We're working on getting an ebook form of it. Um, it's Chris Everhart's work. They are a fantastic young adult series. I really recommend you guys reading it. Um, the new covers look bomb. And Matthew has some stuff out too. Matthew. Yeah, we got both uh, What Sleeps in Walmart and A Shallow Shadow. One's a full length novel, and the other one's a collection of a hundred short, scary stories, each roughly about a hundred words each. And James Friendo will be releasing probably in the next month or two Shadow of the Ash, which is a dark fantasy tale about this man who essentially gives up everything to try to. Oh, go ahead, James. For vengeance, essentially. Yeah. So, and I also have the Night in the Black Urn. It's a short 10,000 word story I'll be releasing for free 
on our website when we drop our new website in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for that one too, guys. Remember to give us your money. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Jeez. Well, don't. I mean, I I don't know about you guys. I like money. I do too. So. I could definitely <laughs> use more of it. But if you guys are a reader, keep on reading. If you guys are a writer, keep on writing. And we'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for tuning in.